hello everyone welcome to city life church online it is brilliant to be with you today and we're going to be carrying on our love revolution series did you know that a love revolution is going on at city life church and it's not just going to stay at clc but i believe in faith that it's going to spread in family homes i believe it's going to spread throughout our neighborhoods and communities i believe it's going to spread through the the city of portsmouth the the county of hampshire and west sussex the the united kingdom and to the ends of the earth god has given us a vision that is local it's national and it's global and we've been talking a lot about this whole theme about uh, love revolution we've been talking about this phrase that hopefully we're really starting to get hold of we're really starting to embed it in into who we are as a people adopting it into our language that everyone's a vip what does vip stand for it stands for very important person everyone that means everyone is loved by almighty god loved chosen called set apart it says that we are made in his image and his likeness and that we're a masterpiece and so it's really important that we really not just embrace this idea but we live through this idea that everyone is a vip and we want to show love kindness and respect to all I want to ask you today, why does City Life Church exist? If someone was to come up to you and say, why does CLC function? What's their purpose? What is City Life Church's mission? Hopefully, those of you who've been tracking with us for a while now will be able to rattle off our mission statement very confidently and passionately. We exist for three reasons. Number one, to love God. Number two, to reach out. Number three, to make disciples. That third part used to be uh, serve people. But upon reflection, I, I, you know, I felt that there was a better way that we could articulate, that we could communicate it. Because it's part of, you know, Jesus's farewell speech before he ascended to heaven. He said about, uh, you know, going all to, into all the world and making disciples. You can serve people and not make disciples, but you cannot make disciples without serving. This was one of the vehicles that Jesus used to disciple. It was through serving. So love God, reach out, make disciples. Everything that we do as a church, and I'm not just talking about what we do within the four walls of the building. We are the church without walls. Did you know that? And everywhere there's two or three gathered in his name. God is there in the midst. So God is calling us. He's he's causing this paradigm shift to take place that we recognize that we don't just go to church. We are the church. And everywhere we go, we represent Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. What is the greatest commandment of all? This was a question that Jesus was asked by one of the religious leaders when he was during his earthly ministry. Now, Jesus had a lot of options. Sometimes when we think about commandments, we often think about the Moses and the Ten Commandments. But actually, there are 613 commandments. They're what's known as the mitzvahs. And so Jesus had a lot of choice. So when he was asked this question, 
You know, there are a lot of options. And this is what he said. This is how he responded. Let's have a look in our Bibles at Mark 12. And we're going to go from verse 29 to 31. If you don't have a Bible, you can go to Bible.com. You can download a really good uh, version Bible app. We'll go onto your app store. And uh, it's a wonderful way that you can get daily wisdom and that you can hear the voice of God through his word. So let's have a look at this passage of scripture. It's probably going to come up in the in the chat feed if you uh, want a reminder of where it is. Mark 12, verse 29 to 31. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, or you could say, listen, people of God. The Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all. Everyone say all. Put it in the chat with all, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And then it goes on to say, and the second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. What was Jesus saying in summary? He was saying, love God and love people. And that includes loving those who we find easy to love, but it also includes loving those who maybe we perhaps don't find it so easy to love. Uh, you know, Jesus was pretty radical in his teaching that he even said that we are to love our enemies. That's a pretty cool, pretty radical concept, isn't it? But this is what God has called us to do, to be people that are making a difference. We don't overcome evil with evil. We overcome evil with good. We don't overcome darkness with darkness. We overcome darkness with light. We don't overcome hate with hatred. We overcome hate by sharing the love of God. Well, today I really want to encourage us to hone in to that second commandment, which is equally as important as the first one. But I want to say this, first of all, that in order for us to love our neighbor effectively, the strong baseline that we that we should flow out from is our love for God. And we're so much stronger in our ability to share God's love when we have invited God's love into our heart. And I want to encourage you, if you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you've never invited the author of love and the God of love, almighty God, the God of the Bible of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I want to encourage you right now, even right in this holy moment, say, God, I invite you into my life. And what happens in that place, we become what the Bible describes as to be born again. We, Our spirits are renewed. We become like a new creation. And what we're able to do is we're able to love at a much higher level. We're able to love people in a, in a supernatural way that we would not be able to do in our own uh, strength. Now, I want to share another passage of scripture with you, which uh, I think is really important for us to grasp. And this is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20. And it says this, whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Wow, it's pretty strong words there. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Wow. Challenging stuff, eh? The evidence for our love for God is revealed in the way that we love other people. 
How we treat other people really matters. If we say that we love God, then the evidence of that, what must correspond with that, is the way that we are loving other people. Why? Because, well, God is love and he loves the world. The more time we spend with God in his word, in prayer, in worship, what's going to happen? The more he starts to rub off on us, the more we start to think like him and feel like him and talk like him and act like that's what happens, isn't it? When we spend considerable amounts of time with someone. And this is what happens when we invest time with God. We should prioritize God. He shouldn't be getting the leftovers in our life, but he should be the most important priority in our diary and how we spend our time. You know, I want to say this. Often the Western church has wrongly equated spiritual maturity with knowledge alone. And I want to say right now, this is wrong. I want to challenge this error. Spiritual maturity is not about knowledge alone. Now, let me just say, I love learning. You ask my wife, you ask my children. I love to read books. I love to read the word of God. Uh, I love to to learn. I've got lots of big theology books. I've studied theology. I've got a degree in theology. And, and so please understand, I, you know, I'm a big advocate for learning. But spiritual maturity is not about how much information you know. It's not about how many Bible verses you can quote. It's not about how many you know, qualifications that you have that, you know, concerning theology in the Bible. But spiritual maturity is about how much we love others and we represent the character and the nature of Jesus. It's about faithfulness to him and it's about obedience to his word. That's what true spiritual maturity actually looks like. Let's have a look at a few passages of scripture to reinforce these things. Uh, John 14, 21, the first part of that, Jesus said this, those who accept my commandments and obey, I want you to underline that bit or, you know, highlight this because uh, this is a key word in that. Those who accept my commands and obey them are the ones who love me. Now, of course, none of us can say that we are flawless in our obedience. Uh, we're all a work in progress. But and, and, and we will make mistakes, but we should be aiming for, you know, representing Jesus and being more like him every single day. When we mess up, when we make mistakes, God's grace is there. We get up. We get our eyes back on Jesus. We keep loving. We pick up the mission and we keep moving forward. A few weeks ago, I shared uh, when I was sharing a, a message from this uh, Love Revolution series I shared about 1 Corinthians 13, the famous love chapter, which is often read out at weddings. And you'll remember that what I did is I actually shared um, from 1 Corinthians 13 how that, you know, God is love. Um, we replace the word love with God because actually this is a portrait of Jesus. This is not just a description of what love is. It's also a description of who God is. And remember, God is 
love. Let's have a look at this and revisit this, thinking along the lines of what does true spiritual maturity look like? Let's have a look at it. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse one to eight. And it says this, if I could speak all the languages of the earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed, listen to this bit, and even if I possessed all knowledge, even if I memorized the Bible, knew every verse, the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, even if I knew that, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing if I gave everything I have to the poor. And even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained absolutely nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. It's not rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no records of wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in an unknown language and special knowledge will eventually become useless. But love will last forever. The one who is the most mature is the one who is the most loving. Let me say that again. The one who is the most mature is the one who is the most loving. How different would your life be if you set the goal, a godly goal, to be the most loving person in the room? What would that be like? That that was your goal. You say, every room I walk in, my goal, my godly goal is to be the most loving person. Just think how different the world would be. Think how many more lives would be transformed. Think how many more people would be saved. Think about how many more people would be discipled well. How many people would encounter Christ through us? Because God is love. We should be striving to be practitioners of the word, not just hearing it. We don't just, you know, hear these messages for kind of, you know, for tickling our ears. I'm, as your pastor, I'm not here to, to give you candy floss sermons that will rot your teeth, so to speak. You know, uh, uh, but I'm here to preach the word of God. And sometimes it's going to be hard hitting. Sometimes it's going to be challenging. But how many of you know that Jesus didn't come, that we would have a comfortable uh, life full of convenience? How many of you know that following Jesus is actually costly? Yet it leads to the greatest reward. It leads to something of, of eternal value. There's no greater thing. There's no greater decision than living for God, living for the one that you were created by and for. The Apostle James, he said this in James 1.22. He said, let's be doers of the word, not hearers only deceiving our selves 
Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I've heard this on many different occasions. Sometimes Christians complain about teachings, you know, in church not being deep enough. Have you ever heard that? Oh, the teaching needs to be deeper. Uh, I need more meaty teaching. Now, let, let me just first of all say this. And I'm, I'm all for meat. I'm all for quality food. We don't want junk food. We want quality food. OK, but let me first say this. When we come to church, when we attend church, even church online like this, we should never be coming to church just to sustain us for the whole week. OK, could you imagine, you know, living off your Sunday roast for the whole week? I mean, it just it seems silly to even suggest the idea. But yet there are many Christians who are spiritually malnourished, you know, surviving from Sunday to Sunday to get their food. Sunday church should never be our top up. But when we come, or when we engage online or, you know, coming in person, it should be the overflow. It should be that we've already been feeding ourselves, you know, on a daily basis with God's word. You know, Jesus said in, Ma in Matthew 4, 4, man, kind does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We need God's word to survive. In the Lord's prayer, you know, Jesus said, uh, give us this day our daily bread. We need daily bread physically, but we also need it spiritually as well. No church should never um, be our top up, but it should always be our overflow. And we need to take responsibility for feeding ourselves on a daily basis. That's another sign of spiritual maturity that we're taking personal responsibility to read the word of God, to digest the word of God, to meditate upon the word, to apply the word. It's a sign. It shows that you're moving from infancy to adulthood. You know, when a baby is born, they're very dependent on their parents, aren't they, to feed them. The baby often, you know, will start out on milk. And then as it gets older, that child is then, you know, maybe fed like softer foods. And then as they get older, they're able to have solids and, uh, you know, initially, you know, mum and dad cut up the food and they spoon feed the, the child. You know, here comes the choo-choo train and all that sort of stuff goes on to try and encourage your children. But there comes a phase when that child no longer needs its sausage cut up for it. It no longer needs its mash spoon fed to it. But it begins to feed itself. And this is this is what we need to get to a point. Yeah, when we're a baby Christian, when we're new, of course, there's going to be an element of that spoon feeding. But as we begin to mature, you know, we've got to start feeding ourselves, taking responsibility. It's sad to say, but there are many Christians that are still expecting, uh, you know, pastors, teachers to, to, to say, here comes the choo-choo train. And, and the reality is that's got to stop. Let me read a very challenging but encouraging and inspiring scripture from Hebrews 5.12. It says this, you have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Wow, that's a... Uh, not a tickle in your ears kind of message. But this is, I want to say this, this is not a message to condemn anyone or make anyone feel guilty. Uh, you know, God loves us as we are. And you need to know you are loved. Regardless of your background, your past, your issues, your struggles, your doubts, your questions, you are loved. 
loved by God and God is love. And uh, the Bible talks about that we're accepted in the beloved. It's not about trying to earn it. It's not about works, but it's about God's amazing grace that he had for us. So I don't want anyone to feel guilty today, but but I'm hoping that this message is going to provoke you because I want you to know there is greatness within each and every one of you. There is so much more that God has placed inside of you that he wants to activate, that he wants to awaken in your life. God is saying it's time to grow up. It's time to step up. It's time to live the abundant life that God has for us and to be effective and take the mission seriously. You know, this is people's lives, their eternity that's at stake here. And we must really take that seriously. John 4 34. This is a great verse, but when you do get people that saying we need to have more deeper stuff, and what they're saying is quite often, you know, we want more, you know, intellectual pursuit. But I love this verse. I always come back to this verse, John 4 34. Jesus said to them, My food is to, and I want you to underline this next bit because this is really important. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So what was Jesus saying here? He was saying, hey, actually, I'm getting fed. I'm getting nourished. I'm getting really uh, my strength comes from applying the work, doing the work. I want to ask you, are you doing the will of Father God? Are you applying God's word to every area of your life? Are you being intentional about the way that you love your wife, your husband, your your children, your neighbors, your work colleagues, strangers and even your enemies? Dare I say it? It's in the Bible. Some of you want more deep, advanced teaching when you already know enough theory to apply it. There's enough challenge. There's enough theory that, you know, to apply for the rest of your life, even if you never opened your Bible again. You simply need to start applying the revelation that God has given to you. Let me ask you a question. Who do you think is the more mature Christian out of these two people? The first person is a Christian professor with a PhD in theology who can articulate a thousand theories about evangelism, but he hasn't actually ever led anyone to Christ. Or the simple illiterate follower of Christ who doesn't have much of a clue what he's doing. They have a limited and basic knowledge of the Bible, but they're applying what little they know and they're sharing the gospel and people are getting saved. Who do you think is more mature spiritually? The answer is pretty obvious here. It's the one who is doing the stuff. It's the one who is applying what he knows. You've probably heard the saying knowledge is power, but, you know, that's only a half truth. Knowledge is is potential power. You see, you might know all the right things to do, but if you don't apply it, it's not going to work, is it? You know, I might you know, know all the different theories of how to love my wife, but if I'm not applying it, There's going to be a bit of a mess, isn't there? We've got to do, we've got to be practitioners. We've got to live this stuff out. Jesus was described as the word made flesh who dwelt among us full of grace and truth. He lived it and we can preach a much better sermon with our life than just with our lips. You know, in 
what character is and, and, and integrity is that when what we say corresponds with what we do. Our mission at City Life Church is love God, reach out, make disciples. And we're looking on a local, a national and a global scale. Baffins and Portsmouth and Hampshire are really important bits of the jigsaw that are a very significant part. But it's not the only part. And we've really got to adopt this into our thinking, into our language. The City Life Church is a ministry that reaches out locally, nationally and globally. We are, you know, really believing for the expansion of church online. We're really seeing the, uh, you know, the um, social media platforms as part of our mission field. And it's so exciting to have many people who've joined City Life Church during this time. Many people are from different cities, towns, villages, nations of the earth. That's going to continue to grow as well. And, and that really excites me. You know, over the past few years, we've been leveraging modern technology to reach out to more people through church online, through Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Twitch and all of these different things through the website. And it's exciting. And God is raising up a movement of modern day media missionaries. And we as a church, we're part of that. We're using, we're seeing people getting saved. We're seeing people discipled through Zoom, through YouTube, through Facebook. It's exciting. And I believe that God's going to continue to reveal to us innovations and ways that we can reach out. And we should be praying. Don't forget, you know, Jesus said in the Great Commission, go into all the world. He didn't just say go into one ethnic group or one area. It was, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. So, you know, even though there's places that we might not be able to go physically, our prayers can actually take us to places where we might not be able to go physically. We're actually going to be sharing a prayer calendar where in a whole month, if you go work through this calendar, you'll be able to pray for every single nation on the earth. Amazing, isn't it? And I know we've done that. Those of you that have been tracking with CLC over the years know that we've actually done that a number of years. I think we had about four years where we were praying for every nation on the earth. But we're going to be bringing that back. And we're going to be having a resource that you can download um, or that you can physically have in your hand that you can be intentional about praying. This is all about reaching out locally, nationally and globally. The mission and the message of the gospel, it stays the same, doesn't it? But our methods are always changing and we need to have courage to let go of things that maybe worked for a season, but may not be as effective anymore, may not work you know, today. Methods that worked 100 years ago might not work today. Methods that were maybe 10 years ago or even one year ago may not work today. And so we've got to have the courage to innovate and to try new things. And sometimes we're going to try some new things and it won't work. But God looks on our heart. He looks, at, you know, if we've got that right motive, then when we do mess up, when we do fail, well, you know, what's failure? Failure is feedback. And we extract the feedback, we learn, we grow, we adjust our sails, you know, to the wind of the Holy Spirit. And we move on and we're able to, to reach more people. I love one of the book titles of John Maxwell, who's a very good uh, author and teacher around the subject of leadership. If you ever want to read a book on leadership, check out John C. Maxwell. He's excellent. One of his books is titled, Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn. So there's always value. And I do believe that this is a real time when the church of Jesus Christ is innovating more than ever before. Let me ask you a question. What could you do 
that would enable you to reach more people? What could you do that would enable you to reach more people? Ask the Holy Spirit and write down whatever he says to you and then just start doing it. And it may well be that you might not feel that you hear from the Holy Spirit, but you've just got this idea. Go for it. If you've got an idea, be proactive. Let's be doers of the word. One of the simple ways that we can reach more people is simply by sharing this um, feed for church online. Sharing the, you know, uh, the church puts out a lot of good posts on our social media. You can simply share those links. And it's a really simple way of getting the message out there. Can you imagine what it would look like if every single person in CLC shared this church online service um, every every week. Can you imagine the thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands that would be reached simply by clicking a button and putting a few words in, you know, to invite people. There's so many simple ways. And I want to say this evangelism, it's not one dimensional. There's not one way of doing it. There's lots of different ways. And we've all got different personalities and strengths and styles and stories. The most important thing is, though, that we're evangelizing, that we're leading a missional lifestyle, that we're getting the word out there. And the more seed that we sow, the, the more that we increase the likelihood of seeing a greater harvest. We can't control whether people get saved or not, but we can control the seed that we put out there. We so, you know, the the more seed I put out, the more likelihood that there's going to be harvest, that things are going to spring up from the ground. We know, you know, Paul said that he sowed seed, you know, Apollos watered, but God brought the increase. So God brings the increase. But let's be people that are, you know, taking our role as the mail delivery service of heaven. Did you know that you're part of the mail delivery service of heaven? And we're there to put out that message and to let people respond. Sometimes we make People's decision for them, oh, they won't be interested. But what I found is actually the people who, who we think are the least interested, actually the ones may put on a mask, may appear not to be interested, but actually are really seeking and searching and are more open than we realize. So we need to be inclusive in our approach and not rule anyone out. Everyone is a VIP, loved, made in his image and likeness his masterpiece. So let's really treat people that way. Now, if we were to say on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself in, in being proactive with your evangelism? On a scale of one to 10, where would you score yourself on one to 10 in leading an effective missional lifestyle? How would you rate on a scale of one to 10 your love walk when it comes to proactively sharing the love of Jesus with others. Well, whatever score you might have uh, identified, I'm pretty sure that if we're all honest, none of us are a perfect 10. Only Jesus uh, is a perfect 10. Therefore, we've all got room for improvement. What's the largest room in the world? It is the room for improvement. And today I want to challenge you and hopefully provoke you to step up your missionary efforts because the harvest is plentiful. There's so many people that are in need of a good news message and we have the answer. So I want to encourage you, you know, to really share that. And I want to share an idea with you that you can use to reach out 
uh, to other people. Again, this is just giving you some tools for your toolbox. It's not the only way, but this is uh, a few tools that you may want to use that will help you, that will give you a little bit of a practical roadmap in how you can be more missional in your lifestyle. So we're going to have a look. I want to use this BLESS acronym. And um, I'm, I'm not going to say it's my idea because it's not actually. It's from a book called BLESS. Um, five everyday ways to love your neighbor and change the world. How many of you want to change the world? I know I do. How many of you want to be more effective in loving your neighbor? And remember, your neighbor is not just those who live next door to you. Your neighbor is whoever you encounter. Okay, wherever you encounter people, it's these are our neighbors. So this is based on the word bless and there's an acronym. Okay, so we're just going to work through this very quickly just to give you some tools for reaching out. So First of all, B. B is for begin with prayer. So the first step is we need to be praying for people that don't know the Lord yet. Praying that God will open their eyes to see that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Pray that God will soften their hearts. Pray that God will uh, help them to get saved, will show them the way. And when we pray, you know, it's amazing how things begin to shift and change. Hearts soften. It's almost like a Holy Spirit plow goes out and starts plowing up that hard soil, making it more open to the seeds of the gospel. And I find that prayer, it doesn't just change people and circumstance, but it also changes you. God begins to drop these ideas and strategies and he begins to prompt us about different people. We become so much more open and receptive to what God wants to do in and through us. So first one, B is for begin with prayer second one the l and again this is based on that word bless l is for listen listening is a powerful evangelism tool it shows that you care that you're interested in them sometimes it's helpful to ask maybe one or two questions to kind of get people to open up initially when you first start talking to people it might be quite surface level that over time, as you listen more, listening is love. It's uh, evidence of love. And the more you listen, people then begin to open up and often take it to a deeper level. I know my mum was even sharing about how she was ministering to, to uh, an Indian girl on the phone. And she just started opening up. Mum just started sharing some stuff about her family and just being really friendly. Next thing you know, this stranger on the phone's opening up and sharing information and you know, stuff that, that she'd not even shared with her closest friends. I don't know why I'm doing this. But I just feel like safe. I can do this. It's the love of God, God ministering through us. They're seeing the light. They're seeing Jesus in and through us. So second point is listen. Listen to people. God's given us two ears and one mouth for a reason. We should at least listen twice as much as we speak. And some of us, we find it hard because we just want to keep talking. But we need to practice the art of listening. And when we listen, don't interrupt people. Just keep your mouth shut. Ask a question, maybe keep your mouth shut. Let the other person speak. The apostle uh, James advised us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in James 1.19. He said, be quick to listen and slow to speak. So, some of us, are we're quick to, to speak and give our opinion. And uh, and we're very slow to listen, but we need to be quick to listen. I love the book, Dale Carnegie's book, um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Highly recommend that book. Very, very good. 
he shares some really valuable insight. And this is a, a, one of my favorite quotes from the book. He says this, you can make more friends in two months by becoming interested in other people than you can in two years trying to get other people interested in you. Point number three, the E, what does that stand for? It stands for eat. How many of you like food? I love food. One of my favorite things. Uh, Jesus did a lot of ministry around food, didn't he? He went to people's homes to have enjoy meals. He went. He was a, a popular um, invite to parties. He enjoyed, you know, going to parties. He enjoyed cooking his disciples' breakfast on the beach. He also liked uh, his fish finger um, sandwiches, didn't he? Thinking of the feeding of the five thousand. You know, Jesus loved food, and something very powerful happens when we do ministry around food. People just tend to open up and relax. It's a really powerful bonding activity. Now, obviously, in this time, it's a little bit challenging. We can't do that because of restrictions. But obviously, things are going to start changing. It's going to be a lot more easier. But we can even have meals and eat over Zoom. I know there's been people that have had coffee over Zoom and things like, you know, coffee and cake. So there are creative things that we can do. But something very powerful happens when we invite people to have coffee and cake or invite people to have food. And uh, when things start to open up, obviously, we can kind of notch this up and do this a, a little bit more effectively. In Revelation 3.20, you know, Jesus, he's knocking at the door of a house and this house represents people's lives. And it's really interesting to, you know, that it says that he longs to come in and share a meal together with us as friends. Something really powerful. So B is uh, to be praying. Begin with prayer. OK. Uh, L is listen. And then E is for E. What is the S? S is for serve. So when we listen to people, we're going to find out what they're interested in, what makes them laugh, what makes them cry, what they're passionate about, um, you know, what they do for a living. And that's going to give us some clues that, about how we can serve them. OK, so it could be serving as something as baking a cake, making a meal. It could be putting their green bin back after the dustbin lorry's bin. It could be offering to pick up something from the shop for them. It could be uh, being willing to receive a parcel from the delivery guy for them. I mean, there's so many different ways that we can be creative about serving other people. That's S, that's serve, and this is part. Remember, as Christians, we never graduate from serving this is part of our lifestyle. It says in Matthew 20, 28, that even the Son of Man, even Jesus didn't come to the earth to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He took up the towel and the basin. He washed his disciples' feet. This is what it means to follow Jesus, that we adopt a posture of servanthood. The final S in the BLESS acronym is share your story. Share your story. People can tell you the Bible's not true. But no one can ever tell you that your story is not true because it's your personal experience. And when we unleash our testimony, lives are transformed and we each have a powerful story to tell. And your stories can be different. Maybe someone might say, hey, I used to be frightened and afraid of death, but I found Christ. I accepted Jesus into my Now I've got a real peace in my life and I'm not afraid of death. Someone else might say, you know, I used to drift through life and not really have any goal or direction. But now, since finding Christ, now I've got purpose and real direction for my life. 
maybe another person might say, well, I thought my life was happy and, you know, I had everything I needed and I actually had a good life and felt really fulfilled. But when I became a Christian, I found out that there was so much more than I ever dreamed possible. Maybe for another person, their story might be I was addicted to drink or drugs, maybe work or entertainment, maybe money, material stuff. It had a grip on my life. But when I found Jesus, he broke those addictions and he brought healing and wholeness to my life. I grew up in a Christian household, so I don't necessarily have, you know, a really fancy testimony. But you know what? I can testify. I accepted Jesus into my life at age four and I can testify the faithfulness. He's God has always been faithful to me. Each and every one of us have a story to tell. And God wants us to be generous in sharing that story with others and seeing lives transformed so let's just recap there on this bless acronym you can buy that book uh by uh john ferguson um dave and john ferguson you can find that on amazon if you want to kind of get a little bit more teaching from this but you know be encouraged you know begin with prayer listen to others eat with others serve others and share your story. And I believe that as you use some of these tools, I believe that love revolution is going to change many lives and that it's going to bring a radical difference locally, nationally, and globally. Well, I hope you found this helpful. I'm going to pray for you and uh, then pass back over to the team. Father, God, thank you for your love. Thank you that, Lord, that you love us unconditionally. And Lord God, we don't want to keep that to ourselves. We don't want to be selfish but we want to be generous in sharing that love with others. So, Lord, help us be aligned with your heart. Help us to be more effective at winning the lost. And I just pray right now for anyone who maybe has not accepted your gift of love, your gift of grace. I pray that right now in this sacred moment, your word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I pray that right now, just in their heart, they'll respond to you. God, forgive me of my sin. Today, I choose to put my faith and trust in you. I call upon your name and I ask that you will save me. Help me to live my life loving you and loving others, fulfilling the purpose that you have for my life. In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. I hope that you found that helpful. Enjoy the rest of your day. Lots of love.